in a land far, far away. Once upon a... No, okay, that's how fairy tales start. No, but in a land far, far away, and to be exact, it was the, the, hill, the hilly area of Ephraim. To be exact, there was a king. And it wasn't just your ordinary king. He was the wisest king ever to don a palace. He was a wise king who had an eye for beauty. And so when he saw the young lady working the land of the vineyard he had leased to her family, he knew he had to have her. Was it love at first sight? Was he just merely smitten by her? The young lady was made to work the vineyards in the scorching sun by her two evil brothers. And over a short period of time, well, she was out in the vineyards, the princess, I mean the Shulamite woman, she was far from a princess. The woman entertained and enjoyed the company of a shepherd boy. Over time, their love grew for one another. They both admired each other. There was interactions. They were talking and chatting about how beautiful they thought each one of them were. But the time came for the shepherd boy to have to leave. But they vowed to be together again one day. Time had passed. The sun still had turned her skin dark from the laboring in the vineyard. And not having heard anything from her shepherd boy, she went searching for him. She longed to find him and to be with him. Then came word from the palace. She was to come. The king had sent for her. Not knowing why, she went. It was there that she came before the king. And it was there that she heard a once familiar voice. A voice that she had longed to hear. Her king was also her shepherd boy. And you thought Disney was creative and unique with their ideas, right? Last week I challenged you guys to read the book, The Song of Songs. The the series that we're in uh, for the next few weeks, minus family service. We'll do something different that Sunday morning. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you read the book, but if you did, go ahead and stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, no, don't stand up. Um, But here's the deal, and I don't think, for me personally, I don't think that I've ever read a book of the Bible more consecutively over and over and over and over and over again for any other sermon series or any other message that I've had to preach in preparation. And so maybe you did read through it, uh, and maybe when you read through it once or maybe even twice, you didn't even recognize a lot of what I just told you in the story from Song of Songs from beginning to end. Turns out, as I read through this over and over and over, I missed a lot of it. But it also turns out that there's a clear divide in the interpretation of this book. A small group of commentaries, very even ones that I've, ones that I've used uh, for different message, believe that this was a love triangle. A love triangle between three different characters, Solomon, his wife, and the shepherd boy. That there's actually three different characters. Now don't get me wrong, uh, I, I don't have a degree in Hebrews. Uh, I just click a button on my Logos and it tells me the meaning of a lot of the things. 
But I encourage you that as if you read it, you could go get a degree in Hebrews, come back and let me know the interpretation that you feel is in the book. But as I read through this, and as I looked at the many different interpretations that come along with this book, the dialogue that we had and the things that were shared throughout the book from beginning to end really fell apart when it came to the idea of there being Solomon, a woman, and a shepherd boy. And I share this with you because there is so much wrapped up in this book of Song of Songs. Um, so much we're able to observe, so much we're able to, to parallel, so much we're able to apply to our relationships in our lives. It, and man, I, I really dove into it to see a lot of these major concepts and ideas that are uh, in, in, this, in this book. However, it's a story. It's a true story, as we talked about last week. It's a story interpreted. Now, in, in our lives, we all have stories, right? We all have realities. We all have uh, stories that are interpreted by others. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, as was, was said this morning, to think about what is your story. What is your story and, and who is telling your story? It was shared with us this morning that God wants to be a part of our story. That he wants to be in relationship with us. And so I would ask that you filter what we talk about this morning through that as we look. How is your story being interpreted? Who is the characters? How are you allowing your story to be lived out? See, we can parallel a lot as we gain the perspective on uh, the story that we're going to look at today and, and as we continue in this series. And today we're going to build on what we set up last week. Last week we set the stage with a little bit of the history of Song of Songs and, and who wrote it and what's the purpose and what, who are the characters in this story. And I briefly shared with you that it's a parallel. It's a parallel to our relationship with God. And so we really want to unravel that, that this morning. We want to gain traction on the overall story and then move into some of the uh, interpretations that we can apply to our marriages and to our lives uh, in general. So there's two characters, King Solomon, who is the lover. So as you go home and you, now you know the story that I shared with you this morning, you're intrigued to read it. There's two, there's two characters. There's the lover and then there's Nehemiah, which is the beloved, which is thought to be, if you go back to Kings, you, uh, you can... Uh, see that it's Solomon's first wife. And in the beginning of the book, it states this. Song of Songs, it's chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Dark am I, yet lovely. Daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. And that's a glimpse into this woman's past, a past where she was, she was sent to work the fields, which wasn't a custom in this culture. She was forced to work the fields by her brothers, by her own family. And, and in that culture, in that time, the darkness of your skin was not thought to be beauty. People covered themselves completely to stay white from the sun, the scorching sun, and so in this, she is actually saying, don't judge me because I'm dark. Don't judge me because 
Uh, I've had to work the vineyards. And in, 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 in her voice in this book is a very dominant voice. It's the most dominant voice out of the three. You've got uh, Solomon, you've got uh, the Shulamite woman, the beloved, and you've got the friends. And definitely in this book, her voice is the most dominant voice. So she's saying, don't, don't judge me for the way I look. Verse 7, tell me, you whom I, you whom I love, where, you're, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like the vile woman beside the flocks of your friends? And this is the introduction of the shepherd boy that you would read about in this book. And this is, this is uh, recorded actually in, in other ancient texts about King Solomon himself is that he would often disappear. It's, it's written in uh, history that he would take off and leave his kingdom for weeks on end. And his people would not know where he went. Something he was accustomed to doing. And that's where the interpretation comes, where this is actually Solomon as the shepherd boy. That, and along with the wording throughout the book, uh, kind of displaces the idea of the shepherd boy having a home and different things that they talk about. So for both of these characters, Solomon who comes to be like or lower himself to be a shepherd and the woman who is, is feeling judged, wanting to be accepted, we get this lesson. The hope in relationships is to be accepted. The hope in relationships and all the relationships in our lives is to be accepted. You hear it in, in the woman's voices as she says, don't judge me. Don't judge me by the darkened of my skin. Don't judge me about my past. This is who I am. And we, and we see that with King Solomon in, in wanting to reach out to this, this woman that he's observed and wanting to be accepted, not knowing if in his royalty he would otherwise. The hope in relationships is to be accepted. We have the peasant girl searching and longing and wanting to be accepted in a relationship. But the joy that we all have, knowing the story and knowing what we've gone through, the joy we have in Christ is that he came for all. That no matter what, Jesus accepts all of us. This is a common theme you often hear me say. That in the story of our relationships, that no matter what, Jesus accepts us for who we are. That yes, a king, the king, on his heavenly throne, sent to earth for each one of us, is accepting of all of us. Loving of all of us. Despite what neighborhood we are from, despite what we do or don't do in our lives, God came for everyone. Despite what we look like, despite how we dress, God came for everyone, And he came and he desires a relationship that uh, those of us that are here, quite possibly, uh, we understand that. But not only for those of us that are here, but also for those of us that have yet to set foot in this place and maybe never will. God still came for them. Listen to the words that support this notion uh, in the relationship. Song of Songs, uh, jump ahead to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. 
Like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the young women. Now, you maybe have heard that phrase before, Rose of Sharon. It's a phrase that, that I've sang in some of, I haven't sang in a song here, maybe more like our Birchwood days, uh, right, right, Andrew? Uh, no, Song of Sharon uh, is, 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 is a saying that you maybe have heard before. And if you read it just in the context that it is, you might think, oh, that's lovely. I mean, that's amazing. She's actually boasting about herself. I am a Rose of Sharon. But if you really know the meaning of this, Rose of Sharon is just the name for a common flower, a common wildflower, actually. And in this culture and at this timing, it's a swamp lily that she's referring to. So what she's saying, again, is she's saying, I am just a common person. I'm, in a sense, maybe, I don't think she lacks confidence, but she's, maybe, I'm, I'm nothing special, she's saying. And then in this, not using the best of pickup lines, uh, he says, you are like a, mil- a lily among the thorns. Single guys, that's not a pickup line for us to use at any time. It, I don't foresee that working out well, except for in this case. Uh, but uh, like a lily among the thorns, my darling, you are among, among the young women. But spoken out of truth, and if you take that in context of everything that's in the book, in the, in the passion and intimacy that they, that they have for each other, and probably even in the culture of this, it, is, it has great meaning. And it's huge in the way that they share it with each other. And for us, in our relationships, and especially in our marriage, uh, it's intimacy that starts with loving words. Intimacy that starts with loving words. All right, and this translates into all of our relationships. And especially in our marital relationships, our, our, our most meaningful relationships, uh, this is very key. We can't have a meaningful, deep, and intimate relationship if we don't share in loving words with each other, which this book is actually uh, full of, right? And so is the Bible. The Bible is full of loving words that God says about us, things he tells us about ourselves. And in this, Solomon is saying to her, you are not common. You are actually beautiful. You are a beauty. Uh, You are beautiful in all that you are, and this is his standard of beauty. And the parallel for us is that Jesus delights in the beauty of his creation. Jesus delights in the beauty of his creation. All of us, we know from Genesis, we are created in his image, right? We are created in his image. This week, I had the opportunity to uh, go away for just an overnight uh, retreat with some of you. Maybe saw the picture on Facebook with the campus pastors in our network. Had an opportunity to go away and envision for 2017 for us as a church. But also we had some personal reflection time. And during this time, we focused on what God thought about us. What God thought about, for me, it was specifically what God thought about me. And I had the opportunity to spend some time with God and just hear from him. And have him tell me that he actually delights in me. And to actually say that. And to actually, when I said it, think about it. And think, my God delights in who I am. 
despite what I do, despite what I think church success might look like, despite what I've done in relationships in my life, and despite what I'm struggling with in my life, my God delights in me. Psalm 18, 19 says, he brought me out in, into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Jesus doesn't see, Jesus doesn't see what you see about yourself. Do you get that? Jesus doesn't see you how you picture yourself. Jesus is actually awestruck by his creation. By the meaning of which he created you. And that just blew me away as I spent, you know, some actually, some good quiet time, which doesn't exist in a lot of our lives with kids, where I was able to focus on God. He delights in the beauty in which he created us in and who you are. And for each of us, it starts with loving words, and it's mirrored. And Jesus actually asks us, asks us to, 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 to follow his example. Right? The Bible is full of these words of God and his creation and how he created us and what he created us for. And if we're not in it, we don't know those words. And I would venture to say that if we don't know those words and what God says about us, how could we then mirror that in our relationships and how he sees other people in our lives? Philippians 2, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, if any encouragement from being united, in, united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then take my joy, uh, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and one of mind, of one mind, right? Jesus is actually saying, I've modeled this in creating you and having this relationship with you. Now you model that in the relationships that you have. Jesus is saying that the same love that I have displayed, you need to be like-minded in displaying your love for others. Take on my spirit and love in the relationship with others. And then in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You see, in this story between Solomon and uh, the woman... Love is displayed through humility, right? The ability to love others more than yourself. The humility of Solomon lowering himself and in, 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 in meeting with the uh, woman in her state, in her, where she is at, working the fields, a peasant girl working the fields. And so for us, the same is true. Our, uh, we display our love in our ability to love others more than ourselves. And we see this mirrored by Jesus and how Jesus humbled himself in a display of his love. Jesus humbled himself in a display of his love. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is Jesus 
with God in the heavenly realms, sitting with God, sent down to earth to walk among sinners. To walk among those of us that don't get it right all the time. To walk among us that need a savior. Jesus humbled himself in in a display of his love. And these parallels are just incredible as we look through all those. And there's even more in this book that we're looking at this morning. So much wrapped into it. Uh, So much that you would miss unless you took the time to get into it. And I'm telling you, it took a lot to read through this so many times to pull some of these out and see what, what, what's being translated. But you have the peasant girl searching for love, searching for more in life, finding love in a field boy, and a field boy ended up being a king who lowered himself to be with her. And the peasant girl then being called to the kingdom, to the palace, to be with the king. And like good, any good Like all good metaphorical love stories, there's a point where Song of Psalms actually breaks down. It actually isn't the true happily ever after love story. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own image, in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Solomon, a very wise man, but we know his story. We know his story as we walk through Proverbs. We know his story as we began this series last week. Sure, the Shulamite woman was his first wife, but what about the other 699 that Scripture tells us he had? The story breaks down. Song of Psalms breaks down in our parallels. The relational aspect that he had in his life and the value that he put on relationship breaks down. But what we know from that Philippians verse, that the value in the relationship that Christ has for us doesn't break down. That he lived that relationship out all the way to the cross, to even death on that cross for each one of us. Song of Songs is a story of a broken king and a broken shepherd. Solomon disguising himself and entering in to be with the woman and ultimately inviting her into her kingdom. He's a broken king because we know the rest of the story. He's a broken shepherd in that he had, he felt he had to disguise himself. And I tell you what, as I shared with these kids this morning about these Disney films and what Hollywood does, Hollywood does an amazing job and especially when it comes to convincing, amazing being bad, just so you know, uh, of women and girls that they need a Prince Charming, that they need somebody to enter into their lives to save them. And, 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 it's, and it's, we're going to have a generation of, of kids, not only even girls, who are raised by the Disney ideals and the Hollywood ideals and the portrayal of love that their Disney films had. And the truth is that 
Not every girl needs a king or a prince to sweep in and rescue her. The truth is, though, that everyone, everyone needs a savior. Everyone needs the prince of peace. Broken king in Solomon, broken shepherd in that story. It's God's story is of a perfect king and a perfect shepherd. A perfect king and a perfect shepherd, one that doesn't break down, that continues to develop in our relationship with him as we heard from the front this morning, that we continue to develop and grow that relationship with him as we get to know him more and more and trust him and gain more purpose in that relationship and deepen our relationship with him. And here's the deal, church. The people you came to church with today And if you come to know me long enough, at some point, I'll let you down. At some point, the people that are here with you today will probably let you down. But our God won't. Our God will not let you down. We spend our time in our lives searching for more. That's ultimately what we all want. We want more. We want more in life and we want more, uh, in, in, in more meaning and more purpose in our lives. And really, our lives here on earth, biblical or not, however you look at it, are about relationships. Are about the relationships that we have with our husband, our wife, with our children, with our coworkers, with, our, with the strangers we interact with. Our life is about the relationships that are present in our life. And for us, that's what we're searching for, more, more meaning and more purpose in those and what happened in, in the story and, and what happens for us is that Jesus came to earth, walked among us, lived and died on a cross so that we could have more. So that we could have more purpose and more meaning. And God through his son, uh, through Christ, is calling us to his kingdom. And what we've heard from, from the front in different series is that that's not a kingdom that eventually we're going to be called to. That once we die, we're going to get there. That's a kingdom that actually God wants us to experience here and now. That God wants us to, to be a part of and allow it to influence us right now. That God wants us to have it bring more meaning in the relationships, in, the, in, 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 in our interactions with people in our lives right now. That's the kingdom that we're called to. That's the kingdom where Christ is the king. The king that calls each one of us to be with him in relationship. Let's pray. Lord, I want, we want to know and feel how much you delight in us. Lord, to say that my God delights in me, my God loves me, is something so powerful. Lord, help us to believe that. Lord, help us to believe that you've called us into a relationship with you that affects and and ultimately rules and reigns over every relationship in our life. Lord, help us to see the good and the purpose that you only can bring. 
Lord, in a life where we have so many questions and we're longing for so much more, Lord, we come here and we live our lives in anticipation for that. But God, my prayer is that we understand that anticipation can be answered right now. Lord, we, we know that you want to be in relationship with us. We can feel it. Lord, so it's my prayer that we would step into that, that we would experience that even more. Lord, my prayer this morning is for those of us that feel like we're distant, that feel like we've separated from God, that feel like maybe we've never even really known him. My prayer for us this morning, my prayer for myself is that I would grow to understand the longing of your heart. And the relationship that you call me into with you. The relationship where you call me into your kingdom. Lord, it's an easy prayer. So I pray it now. If you want to pray, you can pray it in your, in your heart. Lord. I want to know you more. Lord, I know that I fall short and that ultimately when I do, I think that you've distanced yourself from me, but it's really me walking away, Lord. Lord, I recognize my wrong and I ask for forgiveness. And in that forgiveness, I ask for restoration. Restoration to a relationship that is with you. And Lord, in your restoration, I commit my life to seeking the restoration that only that you can provide, to living my life the way that you would want me to live. Lord, so as we continue in worship, may this prayer be on our hearts. May this prayer be what guides our songs and our words as we seek you. Lord, speak to us as we continue in worship. I pray this in your name. Amen.